first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the scheme and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Welcome to episode 79 of the Step Over Podcast. I am Jim Adair. Usually when we do this, I'm facing north uh, where I'm sitting right now. And so to my left, about, what, 3,800 miles is max? About 3,800, give or take. Now he's about miles. four inches to my left. This is great. Uncomfortably close. Uncomfortably close. I have a small apartment. Do not judge me or give me money and I'll fix that. Uh, we are here in person. Max got on a plane as soon as he saw that... Like a kid from the main line who got in trouble with the police, Markel Fultz is like, you will be hearing from my attorneys. <laughs> uh, oh, hopped man. the plane immediately. It got here, just landed. I picked him up at the airport like like John Clark, and we're here to talk about it. And it's weird. It's very weird. We don't know. We were talking a little bit uh, before we started recording about how... We didn't say this part, but I'll, I'll add this in that. It kind of blows my mind that we are able to do this at all have this podcast considering it's about a basketball team but most of what we ever had to talk about over the past i don't know two plus years of doing this has been completely not basketball related it's been off the floor stuff off the court and it blows my mind one how frequently that happens and two how we're still able to have things to say about it this may have broken me. I don't know what to say. I mean, I feel like we know as little about basketball as we do about uh, various injuries and... Uh, <laughs> and attorney-client <laughs> basketball team privilege. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I, I, we were talking about this before, but it's like... I, obviously, Markel Fultz is what we have to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what's going on. Nope. I don't I think do, Brett Brown or Elton yeah, Brand have any idea going what's going on. on. Yeah. Uh, they probably have a little bit, but a baby bit more uh, understanding of what's going on than we do. But sure hope so. seemingly not a lot more. Yeah. Okay, so wait. Let's just do... Do you want to recap what's happening? Yeah, quick timeline. Quick, super quick timeline because it's a very long thing. Um, 45 years ago, uh, the Sixers traded up to get Markov Fultz number one overall because of one of many reasons why it was because of his jump shot. You can, can say that safely. Uh, then he didn't have one anymore. Uh, and the question became, was it mental or was it a shoulder issue? The, t- the line that the that Fultz himself, uh, although I don't think he ever flat out came out and said it, uh, but that the organization especially came out and touted was, it is a shoulder issue. It is scapular imbalance. Um, he didn't play for a while. He worked out. We couldn't see jump shots. We finally saw jump shots on practice footage. He finally got back to the court. Got... Uh, Throughout all this, became the youngest NBA player to ever have a triple-double, which seems, again, like it was 40 years ago. In the offseason, worked with a guy named Drew Hanlon, a, a quote-unquote shot doctor, not doctor movement. We'll, we will talk about him in a second. Um, who was supposed to, quote-unquote, fix him. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked good, but fixed would be a, a very large stretch if you even acknowledge there was any fixing at all that went on. Um, somebody who I think is Kyle Kuzma's trainer or relative, uh, called out Drew Hanlon. Drew Hanlon tweeted back at him and then deleted the tweet saying that, well, Fultz is not 100% healthy. Mm -hmm. That directly leads to where we are today. Fultz is asked about it, um, says 
which is correct. That like no one in the NBA is ever 100% healthy, but he's like, I'm healthy. Is that's correct? So, probably, probably shouldn't I'm, have said it then. A, a bit of a non-answer. <laughs> yeah, but it's correct. No one's ever a hundred percent. Right after this happened, in, in the here the Butler trade happened, Markel Fultz retweeted an old tweet saying, "Like, man, you just can't trust anybody." Which everyone at that point figured was related to the Hanlon thing. Fultz had lost his starting job uh, due to the Butler trade, and it seemed like the general consensus is that he wasn't long for the starting five anyway. He wasn't looking amazing. He was looking good. His effort looked great, but the shooting again. He was doing that devil sticks thing, like you said, with the free throw. Uh, he played seven minutes last night and then called his agent. Let's just say agent, because David mm-hmm. Aldridge called him his attorney, which is, it's very possible that he is both of those things, but he is, in fact, Marco Fultz's agent, um, and said that he will not be participating in any basketball activities until he sees a specialist. <laughs> The reasoning behind this is unclear. What they are trying to glean or prove. And then he shot the ball a bit with the team today. After all of this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. After Brett Brown and Belt Brand went in front of the media and collectively kind of shrugged. Like, we don't fucking know. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're here. And this is a basketball podcast. And I don't know what to say. It's because... Okay, if the Sham Sharania tweet came out first, so mm-hmm. the David Aldridge tweet says, like, I don't have the exact wording, but basically, <laughs> per was, the advice of yeah. Markel Fultz's attorney, <laughs> he will be seeking uh, advice from a shoulder specialist, he'll be seeing a shoulder specialist, and will not be participating in any basketball activities with the 76ers mm-hmm. franchise. A couple minutes later, Shams tweeted, uh, former number one pick Markel Fultz will be seeing a shoulder specialist this weekend, per David Aldridge. If that had come out first, there'd be a panic, but there wouldn't be a confusion. Honestly, I would. I feel like my reaction wouldn't have even been panic, and it, I don't know how much my reaction is panic right now. Um, yeah. But I think him seeing a specialist, I'm actually kind of happy about. It means like theoretically there is some physical explanation for what is happening that could be rectified. You would imagine if if there is a physical issue, uh, unless it's this like crazy doctor movement nerve issue that could never heal properly yeah so um, unless it's that yeah i would rather it be like oh yeah he needs to see like get a third fourth fifth sixth right. opinion on this and maybe someone will figure out what it is and yeah. he'll have some surgery that puts him out for the year and he'll be back in the future and normal like that's the hope three questions one we'll take them one by one if i remember them by the time we're done okay what do you think is the goal of seeing the specialist from fultz and his agent's perspective to me there are two possibilities. One, to prove that he is hurt. And two, to prove that he is not. Now, if it's the former, why do you need to see the specialist? Why can't he just tell the team, I'm hurt, and then they go to whatever? And if it's two, who are they trying to prove it to and why? Yeah, I th- I don't really understand the motivation for two. Right. Someone, someone had said basically, like if it was two, like... Could they be going to prove that he is not hurt and then, like, sue Drew Hanlon? Which, Drew Hanlon is not a doctor, so I don't think that lawsuit would go very well because he's not expected to know if he's 100% healthy. Uh, Shot doctor is not an actual doctor. (laughs) Uh, But it feels like two to me. It doesn't feel like one. It doesn't feel like they're going... Because if a player is hurt, the team is usually one like he's hurt. Especially if it's Fultz, who's a special situation mm-hmm. and a special case who they care very strongly about and seem that they're willing to do anything for. If he was just like, I'm not feeling it or my shoulder's not right or I need to see somebody, they would be like, let's set it up. That's what it seems to me. So for them to go outside of the organization and not release a statement like, you know, if they had something like, uh, you know, Markel and I, the agent, or Markel, or sources say whatever, uh, believes that he's been misdiagnosed or that he hasn't been diagnosed correctly, blah, blah, blah. Then you're like, okay, he has a problem that he feels or can't get over, and he, everyone's told him there's nothing wrong, and he's like, well, there's something wrong. So there was no follow-up information like that. Well, there's no follow-up information, follow-up information at all, which is a problem. Would an explanation, I'm just, I have no reason to believe this is why, but it just popped in my head that this would make some sense, if we are to believe the like 
also kind of unsubstantiated rumors that he injured himself doing something stupid like riding a motor like a bmx bike or something or yeah. a motorcycle if that were the case and he's been like kind of obscuring the fact that he's injured right would it not make sense for him to be like i'm gonna see my own guy who it is- would not make sense and i'll tell you why yeah well it would from his perspective but not from the team's perspective if the team suspected that that i'm pretty sure that's not covered by the collective bargaining agreement and they could void his contract, most likely. But I don't think they want to do that. Right. But that. why would he want that? Well, I'm, I'm saying that if if he believes that he, you know, he's just not feeling right, or there's just, if it's the nerve thing where it's like not pain, but it's just an inability to like make the movement, and, and he's realizing maybe this is physical related to that, like... Maybe there'd be some benefit for him to see his own guy who doesn't have to tell the, who he can be honest with. Like, hey, I I fucked it up on a BMX bike doing some some sick wheelie. Yeah. Um, versus the Sixers getting involved and him not wanting to be honest about that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm I'm just. I it's like the only thing I can possibly imagine. My why answer this route, but yeah. maybe your maybe your thing of trying to prove he's not injured is more uh, believable than that. But if if that was the case, I don't see why they would even come out through official channels why wouldn't they just do this and then be like fuck you drew hamlin we have this doctor who says he's perfectly healthy i don't see the whole it's just very weird it's very very odd and i don't know what's going on i don't remember the second of the three questions do you remember the third of the three yes is this it this feels kind of like it doesn't it it feels um this feels like if this had happened a month ago, we'd be wondering if they're going to pick up his option. Or the offseason, or yeah. Yeah. Um, this this feels a lot like when the Okafor thing went south, and that was different because Okafor, uh, it's kind of the opposite situation. Like, he can't, like, people were down on him. He actually came out and, like, his rookie year played, despite the bad defense and everything, like, showed some things that were decent. Um, and then just got worse and worse, and the injuries piled up, and he never got any. It didn't improve any things he needed to improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference is Marco Fultz like shows flashes of being awesome, um, very infrequent, infrequently, and like has hardly played since they drafted him, and was the number one pick, and everyone wanted him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like this crazy disconnect that seems to happen between so many uh, young Sixers prospects and the team. Um, you know, happened with New Orleans Noel, happened with Joel Ogafor, to an extent with MCW. Yeah. Uh, where agents and players just like sour on the organization for whatever reason. Yeah, um, and there's yeah and right or wrong for the organization on the organization side. Well there's that's they're the one constant in the situation. That's true. In which case Although these situations are insane. Like it's if I, you're still the constant, you're the constant. If it's kind of like the, if you if you're surrounded by assholes, you're probably the asshole. Yeah, kind of thing. exactly. If 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 every one of your rookies or a bunch of different times, different players get different weird injuries and get re-hurt, and their things are mismanaged. You're fucking feeding your draft pick. You're throwing sesame seeds in his face or some shit. Like, uh. there's one constant in all those situations, and it's the organization. Yeah. So, here's a, a follow-up, too. If it comes out that there's an injury... Now, granted, if there is an injury or isn't an injury, I'm of no delusions that every doctor in the world will agree on if there is one, what it one would be, right? But if it comes out from this specialist very publicly that there's an injury, you have to fire the entire medical staff, right? Like, every. I think it depends on what it is. Like, if it's that nerve thing that the, the doctor movement or whatever thinks it is, like, that seems like a very difficult thing to diagnose. Um, Which, of course, is why doctor movement was able to do it from very far away <laughs> through YouTube videos after never meeting Markel Fultz and then dropping a video today, which no one gave a shit about, uh, where it became very obvious that he was he was just kind of latching onto this to promo his own business hmm. of like movement techniques. Now, if the specialist they go to is doctor movement, <laughs> I'm fucking moving away. I'm not involved. <laughs> I'm done. I am done. I can't handle it. This is doctor is movement much. an actual doctor? I haven't seen his diploma. If that's, I don't, I can't prove he is or isn't. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I guess, I guess so. I guess if they find an injury at this point that they were unaware of, uh, to this point, that would be pretty shocking. Um, 
I guess I'm hoping it's that. Like, wouldn't that be kind of the best thing? Is <laughs> I don't like, know what's best. It's None like, of this is best. It's like, it's like, it's like, um, you know, like every time I go to the doctor, I feel like there's some, some symptom I've had, like, you know, I've had trouble sleeping or I've been getting enough sleep, but I wake up feeling tired every day and I'm just like praying every time they're going to be like, oh, you have like a thyroid issue and just take this pill and everything's going to get better. That's like, that true. would be awesome. Like I'm Having always an answer is better than we don't know. And an answer that's sure. like, yeah. And an answer that's better than just like try to get more sleep. Right. Like. I, I want I want the pill that's going to make everything better. Like uh, if you're if you're Marco Fultz, don't you want them to be like, yeah, you fucked up your nerve. Like it's going to be this surgery, and then like probably a year off, but then you'll be fine. Probably right. like 70 percent. Sure. Yeah. Like that's better than like yeah, we don't really know, but like keep rehabbing it and just like trying to retrain yourself. Which does seem like that's what the scapular imbalance was, right? It was a we don't really know. It's probably something like this, so let's treat it as such. Yeah. Right. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, it's fucking weird, man. It's crazy. Uh, I, I I'm like totally over the whole like. I guess it depends on what what we want to call an injury, but like I think I, I'm totally over this idea that I think it's thrown around that like there's no injury at all or no like there's something happening. Whether it's like a physical injury or it is like something neurological. I don't think there's like such thing as like, oh, he just has anxiety or he's just like, I don't think that's what it is. Like well, it wouldn't explain the, the severity and the like onset is so stark. It was like when we did a podcast, like three pods ago, it was like, man, he's just getting better every game. And he's looking so comfortable. And like he pulled up from three and then all of a sudden it was like, he literally can't shoot a free throw without looking like a monster was taking his talent. Like he just like hiccups in the middle of it. Well, like that, that is clearly something physical yeah. going on. Well, or neurological, but not like within his yeah. control consciously. I could take 10 steps over that way and grab you Rick Ankiel's book off the bookshelf mm-hmm. about having the yips. Uh, yeah. Which by the way, have not read all of. So maybe something weird happened in there. I know it didn't get better for him. Know that much. Uh, I don't know if it's a, I think in, in his case for sure, in, Chuck Knobloch's case for sure. It was like, oh, now I just can't do this thing ever. But there was the pitcher for the Cubs a couple years ago that essentially had a form of the yips where he couldn't throw the ball to first base. Yeah. So everyone taking these giant leads off of him. If you hit a dribbler to him, you would probably get into first base. He threw his glove at, at with the ball in it at one point because he couldn't throw it. But even then, he made a couple of throws to first base in there that were successful. So I don't think the yips is a be-all, end-all, like, oh, he's he can't do it. I think there are times and moments where the shot will go in. Like, you see, he takes these free throws that don't look pretty while the ball's in his hand, but in the air won't look too bad, and they'll go in. They go in clean, and those pull-up foul line jumpers look good. Like, legitimately good. Not good for a guy who had the yips. Good. Mm -hmm. So, I don't think it's necessarily... Like, if it is fully neurological or anxiety-driven, I don't think it's that a be-all, end-all, where it's like, well, he, he can't shoot a three... But he can shoot a, a mid-range, therefore it can't be this. Because I think it very much can be. And you saw a lot, and I think it, for part of the reason, and I'm playing armchair uh, doctor movement right now, but uh, I think it seems from a completely uneducated observer, which we all are, mm-hmm. including fucking doctor movement, uh, when he has time to think about it, that's when things go wrong. And that leads you to more... Well, or when he's not in the rhythm of a game, which could lead you to either mental or physical, or a combination of both, which well, seems to me a lot more likely. There's also a real difference between catch and shoot and pulling up. Like there's a there's a rhythm, and there's a uh, when you're when you're pulling up, there's an ability to use other parts of your body yes. to like get into the shot. Um, that like even just playing basketball as the way I do, like um, it's harder for me to catch and shoot than like honestly if I'm if I'm catching it like trailing a play to, to sure. hit a three it's so much easier because i'm in a moving. rhythm and i'm using my like legs and forward momentum to get the ball right. there as opposed to like catching from a standstill even if i'm in the corner like it's just harder for me a prime example for a completely different player that might not apply at all but i'm gonna use it anyway when dario charge would do the catch and shoots that he was successful at a lot of times you would see that ball go on a, a line drive hit the front of the rim it looked flat it was really yeah. short but when he caught the ball and was able to kind of hop into it yeah. to get momentum going before he did the jump to shoot the ball, to get in that rhythm, it went better for him. Which explains also why mid-range is still fine. Like, he has hit mid-range shots. He hit a mid-range shot, um, I don't know, last game, but the game before that, um, hit a decent-looking mid-range shot from, like, 10 feet. Like, that would explain that, too, because it's if it's a question of, like, 
he just doesn't have the power in that motion from the shoulder. But if he gets enough leg into it and it has forward momentum, then he can rely on that and the shoulder right. doesn't have to do as much work. Um, I don't know. I, I just... I don't know if I believe the whole, like, it's it's mental... Like, if he's getting in his head and then, like, psychs himself out. I don't out. think like, that's I don't think everything. It's like, yeah. But I think it's definitely a part of it. Yeah. Because, first of all... Like, it doesn't I feel think... like he's being, like, icing the kicker situation. No, where no, he's, no. like, thinking about it too much and then... I mean, he def- I think he thinks about it too much and then he doesn't take the shots. Right. But that's, I think that's different. If this was... Look, I think there is a physical aspect. I think here's... If it's not an injury, then there's something going on with his muscle memory or something. There's mm-hmm. something physical about it, right? And with all of this happening, being caused by something physical, if there was not a mental side effect, then he's a superhero, right? Mm-hmm. There's some kind of mental side effect to this. And if there's not, then holy shit, man. He's incredible. I, I have to say, like, that that's the other part of it too, that I actually think, obviously he's been, like, really hesitant to take... Open threes and throughout the season, there have been times where he's done it, but he's also like very clearly there. Are sometimes where he just doesn't want the ball in his hands, mm-hmm. um, or where he's not cutting and like looking to get the ball for a jumper. Um, but beyond that, which is like pretty understandable given everything, beyond that, he's actually been like for a twenty-year-old, like shockingly uh, like handled it in stride in a way that I don't think I would have if I were him and twenty years old. Like I would be. I'm refusing ready, to play. Like I would not. I'm ready to change there. my name and move away just from having to talk about this. Yeah, I can't imagine if I was living through it. So I don't think. Yeah, I, this is. And I, I tweeted this earlier, and I I was hesitant to bring it up because I don't think it's necessarily worth going into a discussion for. But because it's complete, just me throwing ideas into the wind. But I just really hope. That the reason they're calling in the specialist is not um, to somehow prove that it's a physical ailment because it being mental is weak. That's what I yeah. really don't hope, especially the way the NBA has been trending. I really hope it is not like that. And you can read responses to anything about him and you'll see why they would think that. Because you, there's still yeah. tons of people out there who see anything that any kind of, of shortcoming on any player as some form of mental weakness or or softness or lack of tough, toughness, which is then seen as lesser than, yeah. which is absolute poppycock horse shit. Title of the episode. Uh, but I just really, really hope it's not that. Yeah, no, I, I hope so too. And I don't feel like it is. I actually feel like, like I was saying, I think I think he's been like remarkably um, like even keel and uh, mature and like confident through it like there obviously there are aspects of his game and and what we've seen that like show that he's not totally confident in himself which makes some sense like given his struggles but um i actually feel like he's like pretty secure in his like sure in his skin given all the things that are happening it's also hard to tell it's i don't like reading into athletes personas or personalities based on their facial expressions or the way they quote unquote carry themselves mm-hmm. because you can't do that. There are a lot of people, especially in the NBA, in the NFL, in any pro sport, in any professional environment of any kind, who are have the utmost confidence, who are incredibly good at what they do and all this stuff like that, and they just don't wear it on their faces. Right? Yeah. Outside of a dunk every once in a while that's usually wide open, Ben Simmons doesn't have a lot of expression on his face. Yeah. Uh Kevin Durant typically does not. Mm-hmm. You know, Westbrook's the complete opposite side of that. But a lot of players don't wear their confidence or whatever on their face. James Harden doesn't do it very much at all. And I think reading into that and saying like, oh, you know, he's he's not a killer because of the way his face looks. That's yeah. backwards 1960s bullshit. And yeah. we're way past that. Well, I, I do think there's... Uh, I agree with you. I think there's... Um... There's definitely something to read into, though, when you... And this is, like, especially early in the year, where you could just tell that he was, like, floating around and, like, didn't... It's, but I think that's less... Didn't want the ball in the same way that, like, 
if I miss three shots and pick up, it's like I kind of don't want the ball anymore. Right, it's but like I kind of feel like I'm gonna fuck it up, so I just don't want it. Like I'd that's fair. I think that's reasonable and that's fair. That's but... what it looked like. It looked like he would he would cut through and he'd be open, but he like wasn't even looking for the ball. Like just but, didn't want to get it in his pocket. He'd have to pull up and shoot. Again, going back, Dario was doing the same shit earlier this year and the same shit beginning that's last fair. year, and no one was saying, "Oh, he doesn't have it in him." Like, oh, he's lost out there. Yeah, I think that doesn't have, doesn't have I, it. I in think that doesn't have it in him is bullshit. Yeah. I, I think. You can you can read into that and, and think like he's not super confident in the jumper right now. Like, yeah. and that doesn't mean he's not a confident person or right. doesn't have a killer instinct. It just means like he's feeling like his jumper's iffy right now because it is because he's still not back, obviously to where he was before. Yeah. Um, but but I I think that has less to do with like his expressions and how much he yells after a dunk and shit. Like, yeah. I think it's more about just like how he's playing. And I think he got to a point. That's where I think that Hawks game that we did a podcast, and it was like, man, I I think I said I don't have to squint anymore to see it. Yep. Yeah. And he looked like he just belonged with the team and belonged on the court. And I, the last handful of games ever since the kind of yips or the hiccup or whatever hitch in the shot came back, it's been not like that. It's felt more like the beginning of the year when he didn't um, look like he want, like it just didn't seem confident. It didn't yeah. seem um, like. Um, sure of himself in terms of the jumper. Yeah. Stepping back right now and just taking a complete business of basketball look at it, I'm sure you just got the same text alert I did because we're sitting next to each other. And you can read what I said. Uh, our friend Patrick Wall asked us, this feels like a Markellis traded within the week kind of deal to me. Which, I first of all, if he's going to get traded, it's going to take longer than a week because he probably, I don't know what he's seeing the specialist. But I responded with, he, is at, he has no value at all to another franchise right now. Because yeah, he had very little value before this. Now this is happening. He's at the point now, from a solely basketball business standpoint, where you have to attach, at I think, a protected first to him to get rid of him. Mm. I don't know if we're there. I think if you, you're going to owe him nine million dollars next year. Yeah, but if you're the Atlanta Hawks or something, you just take. But him that's on. only. It's but. I mean, there. I mean, I mean, I, we're arguing about whether you need to right. attach a pick to to get rid of the first overall pick from 15 months ago. Right. But like, and I, I think I think you're at a point where because it's a basically a one-year deal next year because and you get to decide if you want his option like i don't think he has that i don't think you're going to be able to like use him as any kind of piece in a big trade yeah but if he's like what puts a puts a bradley beal trade over the edge Mm -hmm. i don't know how you make that trade now that you don't have dario and covington and marco fultz doesn't have value but like or something some other trade i i think though it's it's similar to the Embiid situation that we talked about forever it's like you know, when people were like, oh, they could make a trade to move up a few spots in the draft, they throw in Embiid. It's like, Embiid has way more value to you and had way more value um, in 2015, whatever, as someone who you're just going to wait on and, like, hope it works as, like, a lottery ticket. Because your team was in a different position then, too. That's fair. But yeah. I, I think Marco Fultz is the same way. It's like, the, whatever value he's going to add to a trade is so minimal um, that even if there's only, like, a 10% chance that he regains the form he had in college... It's like you're not getting 10% of Markel Fultz in value in a trade. But I'll, yeah, but also you're I'll, getting like 2%. I'll put it this way. Put your any thought you have about the, the kind of player or potential that DeAndre Ayton has aside, right? He's the most recent yeah. top overall pick. So say Ayton was going through what Fultz is going through right now, right? The Suns wait it out. See what happens. You're mm-hmm. in a position to do that. Now say he's on the Celtics and this is happening. You don't think they're looking to move that? Or they're at least looking to move that more than the Suns would be. No, I agree. I agree that there's a there's more value to getting something now. I just think that whatever you're getting now is so inconsequential. Right. Like, what's you're gonna trade him like to get? I don't even know. Like, who could you even get for Marco Fultz right now? Like, not. You get a couple of seconds. You couldn't put him in a trade to get. Otto Porter or Kelly Oubre or any of those unless guys. you're giving like, up that Miami pick and probably Wilson Chandler. Yeah, it's like if you're, if you're giving him up to get Markeith Morris from, you know, in the fire sale the Wizards are going through, it's like... Still I would, might not get him. Maybe that's true, but I, I just feel like whatever that amount is, like if it's someone like Markeith Morris, it's like, just wait it out. Like, I'd rather right. I'd rather the 10% chance, or even if it's lower than that, of it like being, of him turning into what we thought he was going to turn into, than like a guaranteed... 20% of what we thought he was going to be, or not even, like, 12%. And that's a function of the team being in a really great position. It's absolutely bonkers to me that 
And you can you can credit you can credit this to Sam Hinkie. You can credit this to the idea of tanking and going for the long run. You can credit this to Joel Embiid. But that this team essentially had their their franchise cornerstone right now missed two full seasons, which still sounds insane to think about. The guy they picked after that number one overall missed a full season. Now you have the Fultz thing. In all of that. They had a GM fired, another one brought in to basically clean up the mess of the last GM. Mm -hmm. And then a GM fired, another one brought in to essentially clean up the mess of the last GM. And they're still in a really great position. And, like, it's... When when the whole thing started, you know, you can say all you want about Hinky's idea of having many options and optionality and assets for moving and, like, many different ways to get good. But the idea then, you thought... That one of these many things happening would have derailed the entire thing and you'd be fucked. It somehow survived like nine of these things. And my question keeps coming up every time one of these things happen is, is this the one? But now that Jimmy Butler's here, I think the only thing that really derails any of it is any kind of hard hit to Butler, Simmons, or Embiid. The rest you can survive yeah. at this point. And Butler... Even Butler you could survive. You just sign someone else in free agency. Like. That's true. But it's completely changed the way this team functions, how it was built, what outlook is going forward, and like the, their ceiling and their floor have both risen. And you mean the ceilings dropped, or you think the ceilings? We bring Butler higher. in, the ceilings higher for sure. I think like bringing Butler in, Butler. Uh, oh, I don't want to combine him and Fultz. That's bad for everybody. Uh, bringing Butler in. Imagine this trade didn't happen and this is happening with Fultz. Oh my god. It's full meltdown. And there are a lot of people that I've seen on Twitter and just saying in general, like, with just put Fultz on the back burner. Don't even think about him. Yeah. Because you have this team, you have Butler, you, you have this improved thing. That's a good point. And so it's almost like in the eyes of the future of this team, Fultz is near inconsequential. Where well, he's... Low risk, high reward because a, you know that you probably get nothing out of them. He's a bonus in that, like, if he turns into anything at all, like, because you've moved on from Covington and Dario, and because you don't have the Kings pick anymore, and because, like, Zaire Smith's gonna probably miss, which we'll talk about probably at the end of this podcast, like, gonna miss the whole year with uh, a sesame allergy. Like, you don't really have a lot of flexibility other than your cap space you have like 20 million dollars this summer if you can t- if you bring back jimmy butler yeah um you still have 20 million to spend like other than that they don't really have a lot so i think marco fultz is the difference between oh you have this and either marco fultz the uh you know other star this third or fourth star in this group um who is 20 or 21 years old or you have whatever you trade Markov Fultz for. If Markov Fultz turns into nothing, it's like you have these this team you have now plus twenty million dollars in in the summer and figure it out and hope Zaire Smith turns into something and hope Landry Shamit turns into something and play the margins and hope the Miami Heat pick in twenty twenty one's good, and that's it. Like that, that we're kind of um, the optionality is really sh- shrunken yeah. uh, considerably. Hey guys, this is John Stolnes from The Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season. Man, the 2018 season was, well, it was interesting anyway, and the upcoming offseason looks to be even more interesting. So if you want to stay up to date on all things Phillies this offseason, subscribe to The Good Fight podcast feed and get my podcast, Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Klintak and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phil's podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. And you'll get bonus podcasts every time big news is made with the team. Seriously, if you want to stay up to date on everything revolving around your favorite baseball team as they return to contention, make sure you are subscribed to the Good Fight podcast feed. But let's move off of Fultz because my ears are getting warm. I'm getting a little agitated. Yeah. So, okay. So let's move on and talk about, I know a frih of the pod, not friend of the pod, uh, John Gonzalez wrote a thing for the ringer today, which 
Um, sorry, John, if you're listening. Who's he's not listening? He's definitely uh, not listening. To I did not read it, but Max read it, and there was some stuff in there about Zaire Smith. Very good info. By the way, I'm just going to say right now, I'm I apologize. We're thirty some minutes in already. They've been doing very well lately. We're starting on two bummer non-on-court topics. We also haven't talked. To, we haven't had a podcast since Jimmy Butler played his first game. He's played four games as a sixer, and we haven't even talked about it this yet. This is the curse of being a Philadelphian and a Philadelphia yeah. sports fan. Um, yeah. So the second most important topic in Sixers land since the Jimmy Butler trade and debut. Uh, is Zyra it even? Sesame is it allergy. even that? It's like six, but we're jumping right to it. No, it's important. Um, yeah, John Gonzalez had some good info in his ringer piece. You should read it. Um, uh, so basically, Zaire Smith uh, is allergic to sesame, uh, in addition to being allergic to peanuts, which Sixers knew about. Um, we got a little bit more information. We talked about this last time, but a little bit more information since then about from John's piece about how this happened, um, kind of what's going on with this whole thing. Um, Max is pausing, so I'm asking what's a beer. Yeah, I want a beer. Okay, all right. Okay. Let's check it. I was trying to mime that I did want a beer, but somehow Jim wasn't getting that. He's like no, 20 feet away in his kitchen. Um, in-person pod. Yeah, in-person pod. Uh, so we talked about it last time, but, but basically we've discovered that we had, we had kind of hypothesized that it was possible that he didn't know he had the, the or that he did know he had the sesame allergy right. and avoided it, it and then like unclear. accidentally had sesame. Like it wasn't really clear what had happened yeah. because it's hard to imagine a 19 or 20 year old not knowing they're allergic to sesame like you've never had anything in your life that has sesame seeds or sesame oil or like no. sesame's in in a good number of things yeah god i got the can crack on the pod by the way this no, is good, good pod this is um, very good pod i so i again i did not read this uh but i want to know if because i think i don't know if i said it on air or off to somebody else and i don't know if it's true mm-hmm. <laughs> but i read once Years ago, so I believed it as fact until still to this day. I believe it. Is it possible? I don't know if you mentioned in this, and you're not a doctor, but uh, can you develop an allergy? Yes, okay, it can, you well, can. It can be onset late, like right. I didn't have seasonal allergies until I was like 18, right? But that I means seasonal allergies. Oh, I guess maybe are they really not that different than like I don't food think allergy? That different. Yeah, it's just okay. the severity, but because yeah, I didn't have seasonal allergies until I was. 20. I was also allergic to dairy until I was like 16. Wow. So, a real trooper. Yeah. Overcame that. Good for you. Okay. <laughs> uh, toughed it out. Um, yeah. Killer instinct. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so maybe it's possibly developed it. But, but in John's piece, uh, it sounded as if the belief is that he had it at the facility, um, which right. is an interesting wrinkle. Because um, I think. I as mean, opposed to like going out to you know, whatever restaurant in Chinatown or something and go to a restaurant that uses peanut yes. oil or uh, sesame oil, rather. Because I believe, and this is good, this is a good thing, uh, and I remember reading something about before about how the the Sixers, like, practice facility chef is essentially, like, a four-star chef. Yeah. Is four the highest of stars? Four-star. Let's say five-star. He's a five-star chef. I think four-star is the highest. I think... I think is uh, it? Well, four. Four-star, then. You know what? And also, you Michelin know what? Michelin four-star rating? Maybe he can get better. Michelin stars are not... A, it's, it's accumulation... It's number of different stars. It's not. It's you get one at a time. Oh, yeah. It's like merit badges. Don't worry. I watch Master Chef. It's cool. Don't okay. worry about it. Uh, anyway, yes. So uh, I remember reading about the chef before, and how like Sixers were kind of on like the cutting edge of nutrition, and how there was quotes from players saying like how great the food was. Now it was great for you, but also just like incredible, and they ate like all their meals there, yeah. etc. So when this all happened, I just you know I assumed that it happened under the watch of the team, which is why I also assumed that this is something they, that neither Zaire nor the team knew about. Yeah. Yeah. Which seems to be the case right. based on John's piece. So, um, had a surgery that was announced in sub- late September. Um, according to John's piece, like a, at least one other procedure since then, I'm, I, it wasn't really clear what that was, but it's been an ongoing issue basically. Um, just from this one time that he ate sesame, mm-hmm. and he's apparently lost twenty pounds. No one's in seen like him. two months, and I've not. Yeah, he's not been anywhere near the team. We've he's, not seen him on the bench. He's the Shelly Miscavige of the Sixers right now. Um, maybe I shouldn't. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But uh, it sounds also like he's probably not going to play this season. Is what yes. the team's thinking. Which I mean, it saves him for Rookie of the Year next year, which is uh, not only that, like clutch. 
there's like you know we've been trained on the idea of like hey don't rush him back but like yeah don't rush the guy back who was like a liquid diet and lost 20 pounds that's for sure Remember when uh, Hollis Thompson had the poops for like three months? Yeah, and he said he was supposed to like lose like he lost like fifteen pounds. Remember when MCW had like an infectious like uh, bacteria that was eating his skin? This like, tra- <laughs> this training staff, man. God, are we sure they're doctors? Have we seen their credentials? Oh man, uh, get Doctor James Andrews in here, the world's only doctor, clean house. Um, but yeah, I mean that to me, like yeah, I mean it's Jimmy Butler, Mark Fultz, Zaire Smith. They're like the three big stories. Yeah. It's the Zaire thing, first of all, it's so out of mind because we haven't seen him since Summer, Summer League. League. Uh, I couldn't remember if we actually saw him in Summer League, but we did. Uh, we haven't seen him since then. This is like, you know, we have laughs. We're making jokes about it right now, but like, it was like a life-threatening thing. So like, yeah, take as much time as you need, you know? Because, again, the team's in great shape right now. We're like, you don't need him right now. Anything else, you're just like, you're building for the future with him anyway. He was always going to be a project. It puts it back a year. Mm-hmm. But it's just another fucking thing. It's crazy. It's really comical, honestly. Yeah. It's like I have to laugh at it just because it's like... I don't even know how they could top this. Like, this is... Oh, they really jumped the they shark. Will. They really they jumped will. the shark with like... Well, what would be crazier than like he literally ate a sesame seed and he's out for the season? Like, that's the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard. Owl attack. Owl attack. Owl attacks <laughs> up there. Um... Yeah, we already had the flesh-eating thing, so that's ruled out. Black mold, maybe? A black mold situation? Maybe just, like, straight up the plague. Oh, the plague. That could, that could work out. Uh, what was the one? Oh, Legionnaire's disease. That started here in Philadelphia. Put that on the flag. Um, real quick side note. Mm-hmm. Do you think David Miscavige is a Sixers fan? I don't know. He's from. He's an Eagles fan. He's from Delco. There's a picture of him wearing, like, with a big old mustache in, like, the 70s wearing an Eagle shirt at, like, a tailgate. Probably because that was a, that was a prime time to be a Sixers fan. That's true, yeah. An Eagles fan in the 70s. Why couldn't like they you send were... any Xenu energy our way then? Or maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's the problem. Should we talk about Jimmy Butler? Or Xenu, whichever one you wanted to. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. On to actual basketball and actual yeah. good things. Jimmy Butler, um, better than advertised. Yeah. So far. I was I was wrong. Crazy small sample size. I was wrong until I'm right. I'll, I'm gonna reserve judgment because my concern was never his talent. The contract. It was the contract, the attitude, the knees. And, and there's still my a concern. lot of time for all three of those things to turn. That was like ninety percent of my concern. Those three things made up like thirty, thirty, and thirty, and then ten percent like fit. Although the ten percent fit I think is almost gone for me just because his shooting has been like this yep. season's been awesome. Uh, certainly, in his four games of the six, I think he's shooting like forty-five percent from three, including the game winner um, against Charlotte. But uh, the last couple of years, he's looked really good uh, as as a perimeter shooter. And uh, Jimmy made this point that it, he's been on a different type of team than he'd been on his first whatever it was six years in the league, right? Where he has. Um, he wasn't playing with anybody like Cat or yeah, Cat and Embiid like Embiid really there. draw a lot of uh, uh, attention mm-hmm. that that opens things up. Yeah, it's, also, I, I said spacing. It's less the spacing and more the attention. Yeah, yeah. well, and there's also and there's also part Which of it where it's like the same. Well, it's also part of it where it's like, you know, it's like I don't believe that Brook Lopez just like all of a sudden became like a knockdown three point shooter. I think it's that like now they're asking him to do that, so he works on it. It's like right. Jimmy Butler now is being asked to do not just with the Sixers, I just mean the way the league's moved in the last few years has like really had to work on that yeah. and has gotten a lot better at it's it. It's why Dwight Howard is just like a dead eye fifteen foot jumper guy now. Yeah. When he's aiming at the side and of the DeAndre or uh Andre Drummond's like hidden yeah. three pointers. I mean it's not like, in everybody. Like again, like I made the joke about about Dwight Howard and like DeAndre Jordan, you who accidentally said, but I like he's never I don't think he's ever been asked to do that, and it's never expected of him because he's a very different type of player yeah. than Drummond or Embiid or even mm-hmm. Lopez. Um, that it, like it, it would be more like asking, you know, HGH Nerlens to start chicken jump shots, and it's like, you're not really going to ask him to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. I think there's a couple of things at play. One is that he's a really good player. That's number one mm-hmm. by far. Number two is I think he feels revitalized. And that's usually a talking point and this and that, but he was 
very clearly not happy in Minnesota. Whether <laughs> he was to say the least. Whether he was unhappy with management, coaching, he says repeatedly that he was not unhappy with his teammates, which I believe. Um, I think Cat and Wiggins were horrified and terrified of him, but he seemed to be cool with Taj Gibson. So Taj Gibson seems like a cool dude. Uh, but I don't like. I think he didn't want to play for Tibbs anymore. I think he saw a future where he was playing five more years, getting paid on a supermax contract, and putting in forty plus minutes a night because he was playing under Tibbs, and he got miserable. Mm-hmm. And then it just snowballed, and he's like, "I have to find a way out of here." Now. We will see if that changes, and because if, if it something comes up here, and it's all of a sudden like, oh, it wasn't that; it was him. Then sure, but that also, seems more likely at this point. Three games in, also the fact that Andrew Wiggins has been like bad, bad. He's bad. been like actually bad. Mm-hmm. Um, the Covington versus Wiggins thing has been has played out that Covington is like significantly better. Not even just thinking about the contract value. Yeah, he's pay- being paid basically a third of what Wiggins is. He's actually just better right now than, yep. than Andrew Wiggins. Cat's good, but I, I think if you're Jimmy Butler, you're looking around and you're like, this isn't what I thought it was yeah. going to be. Um, also, shouts to, I'm going to get his name super wrong, Ksenia uh, Bates-Diop, who got sent down to the G League for the Wolves mm-hmm. and then gave Covington his number 33. So he doesn't wear number 6. Thanks, Mr. Bates-Diop. <laughs> don't know how to say your name and I regret looking, not looking it up. But good for him. Cove looks good in that uniform, man. He's been yeah. playing really well. Like really, he's playing really well. Yeah, that yeah. was that was a little sad watching that. But Jimmy Butler's been fucking awesome. And it's it's like, the trade off, yeah. Dude, when he, I think it was, uh, it wasn't the Charlotte game. It was maybe the game before that. When he pump faked from three, drove left, and pulled up from seventeen feet and just knocked it down in someone's mm-hmm. face. Was that like? I have not seen a Sixers player do that since. Alan Iverson? Like, I feel like I haven't seen in, like, a decade. Mo Cheeks. Uh, no, Mo yeah, Cheeks. you're right. Because the Sixers don't have a player. Well, they finally do now have a player that can both dribble and shoot. Yeah. Everyone else can do one or the other. Lou Williams. Lou Williams did that. Yeah. That was, um, a, it was like, I've not seen that in at least yeah. six years. I was at his first home game, and that atmosphere was like a playoff game. Um, One of the things that you don't see, you can't tell when it's on TV, uh... But that was really cool is that everyone was so hyped up and so into it and so excited. First of all, I saw a couple of Bulls Butler jerseys, so cool. That was cool. Um, but chance in any sporting arena starts slowly, right? One person does it, yeah. or, and then it, like a couple more, a couple more, a couple more. Everyone was so amped up. Before Butler t- got, got his touch the ball for the first time and hit a three, he was over in the corner. Some one person went, Jimmy Butler, and then clapped. And then the next time around, the entire arena did it. Everyone jumped in immediately at the same exact time. Same later on with the Trust the Process chant and later on with an MVP chant for mm-hmm. Embiid. Everyone was just so amped up, so excited, so hyped. And I'm not gonna like I'm not pretending like it hasn't been a fu- like it's been fun at that arena for years. Mm-hmm. And the, the the fans have been amazing, but like that was just that was another level. I wasn't at a playoff game last year, so maybe it was just like that. But the feeling in that arena was absolutely incredible. Also I don't know what it's going to be like going forward because he hasn't played many home games. Just the one, I think. Um, got announced second. So that was interesting. Second. And he announced the team in position order. I guess Embiid he was technically last, the two. Embiid was last. My I, my thought was that maybe for his first home game, Butler will go last and then he'll go second to last and Embiid will be last. It was Simmons, Butler, J.J., Chandler and Embiid. I think it's more way. it's more like a like a track listing. Like you don't want to just blow all your best tracks at the end. Right. Like you want your first track to be good. You want yeah. like ideally your second track to be good too, but like as long as you you space it out a little bit. Like yeah. I think you finish with Embiid, obviously he's like the encore. Yeah. But I, I think it's um I think there needs to be some spacing. So I like that they start with Simmons. It's a good I side think, B. Yeah. Strong start, but you really you're really just playing towards the end. Yeah. yeah, I think Jimmy could be the number, the second to last. That would, I think, starting with Simmons yeah. is nice because it's like he's consistent. He's your point guard, whatever. Yeah. Uh, then who, whatever two schmucks happen to be starting <laughs> in the next few years, like, yeah. who even knows what that's? I, I have no idea. Starting what that's for Bull like. Ball. I hope so. All in on Bull Ball. I'm 100 percent in. Yeah. Although there's, uh, given that they have top one protection on the pick. It is going to be 
you think it's gonna be Zion, right? Zion's like clearly the number one yeah, pick. If, if yeah. even if the Sixers get it and he I can't went, shoot, since we last talked, I went and did my cleaning the glass predictions, and the question mm. of will they asked if some who else did they ask? I haven't gone in and checked that in a while. They asked if somebody else was going to be. I think it was Barrett. They asked if Barrett would be the number one overall pick, and I dropped that way down because I think it's going to be Zaire. Sure, I got I gotta get in there. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I I think it would be really hard. Um, whoever gets the one pick, unless it's a shock, unless it's something like, um, I'm trying to think of a team that'll fall outside the playoffs, but a team with like like Memphis or something. If Memphis or a team that's like has some pieces gets up there, yeah. But if it's like the Hawks or the Knicks or a team that like needs to create excitement, they can't pass on. Because it's not only that. I mean, I think there's a very real possibility. I mean, Zion. It looks there are people much smarter than me, pay much more attention to college basketball, who are saying he's the best prospect since high school LeBron essentially like he's doing what you would expect LeBron to have done if he went one year to college yeah um also quick aside did I see that Bronny's going to Duke I didn't see that did I see that am I did I'm I dream gonna, that I'm look it I up. hope I didn't dream that because that's real weird uh that'd be a real mm, I need to think about things that have gone in my life if that's true uh you can probably hear me typing right now I'm looking it up looking it up Oh, oh, yeah, an unofficial visit, visit to Duke. Okay, okay I think I saw I saw some like meme account. I think I don't know. You can find out better, but um, I think there's a very real possibility that like he might not be the best player in ten years out of this draft. But the narrative is already forming, and the narrative is very strong in the NBA. Right? If the uh-huh. media, if <laughs> if the the fake NBA news media, and uh, you know even like NBA like or basketball meme accounts and Bleacher Report and SB Nation and all this stuff. If they spend the entire season focusing on Zion, that's a strong enough to mach- machine to sway a front office for sure. A lot of front offices, yeah. like the Cavs, the Hawks, all those teams. Especially Any team that struggles with attendance. Like you said, if you struggle with attendance or or merchandise sales or just a general excitement, that or if you're trying to get an arena built, very next few years, easy yeah. pick to make. Um, yeah. Someone also pointed out to me, which, he's also fucking good. He's yeah. like, I, I, he's I bigger on than him. JJ Watt. Is he really? By like I, an inch and ten pounds. I, I clowned on him a lot going into the year. I, I like. I thought he was gonna be my um, uh, Marvin Bagley this year. Yeah. Like I always like, and and unfortunately, Jason Tatum was my Marvin Bagley the year before that. And I was you are on a roll. About that. Uh, something about Duke Foreman. It's but, all right. I was. I I didn't have Trey Young in my top ten. I said he has bust written all over him. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was immediately wrong. Somebody that. somebody retweeted as soon as the fold stuff came out. Somebody retweeted from like May, uh, my big board that I wrote <laughs> on Twitter. It was like a bad fucking idea. I was right about Laurie Markin. I think I had him like fifth. So you I were. Felt good yeah. about, I felt good about that, <laughs> but uh, the rest was garbage. I think I had Jackson two. I had Ball three. I had Fultz obviously one. Um, it was it was real bad. I didn't, have, I didn't have Tatum in the top eight. To so be fair, that was a that. weird ass draft. It was a weird draft. Back at it. Um, yeah, but I I was like basically he's uh, like a fat Julius Randall. This is uh, what I what I said of of Zion Williamson, which I was incredibly wrong about. <laughs> Someone I saw I can I can never remember who says things on Twitter that I think are funny. So again, they probably don't listen anyway. So I can just I could have claimed I said it. I don't know. Uh, but somebody said to somebody, and then that person retweeted it, that they're like, and they said like Kyrie in Gershon's body. <laughs> wow, like That's a, what a take! I, it's more like Vince Carter in, in Gershon's, Ka- in Gershon's body. body. He does yeah. look like he has yeah. that that uh, yeah. wide. He's like wide Tracy ass. McGrady yeah. if Tracy McGrady Freaky Friday with Big Baby. <laughs> It's the kind of disgusting just watching yeah. him. It's like it's like very much a creative player thing. It's like oh, he does yeah. shit that's like you're like could I can I get away with this? It's like when yeah. I make a seven six center in uh, in two K. When we played him, FIFA like, against each other, we both made seven footers. We yeah, made Dario and Joe all ninety nine overall everything. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts, and I am Kelly the Deputy Managing Editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL Editorial Manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead Flyers writer for TheAthletic.com. 
And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team of Flyers. Yeah, I did. I did yeah. a, a. actually did a. Funny enough, I did a Sixers season uh, in two K last week, and ended up with the number one pick. Uh, well, actually, so they don't have the Sacramento like protection. I they know can't, they can't do it. So if if Sacramento gets the one pick, you gotta I do the force trade. trade. Yeah, I know. I forced them to trade me the pick. It feels dirty having that turned on, but, but you have. But to it do felt it. good. It felt so good to take that from Boston. So yeah. I, t- I took it back. Um, pick Zion Williamson and the guy who Jack whatever Jack smooth or whatever the, like the top downloaded yeah oh 18 yeah, yeah. draft 19 draft class like he's like an 89 speed a 99 vertical it's like yeah. disgusting when i put up like 33 points in his rookie season one of my favorite things ever about a 2k class um uh by the way uh zion williamson is like who jeff green was supposed to be in the mm-hmm. body of robert tractor trailer um <laughs> I downloaded a class once, like, mid-season for a game. I don't know. I wasn't downloading the updated, like, 2K ones for some reason. It was like, oh, it was the end of the year, and they hadn't updated the very end of the year, and I didn't want to get next year's game yet, so I was, like, you know, doing that. And the person who had made this roster based all of the abilities uh, purely on statistics. So, like... (laughs) So if you played at like Tennessee Valley or Tennessee, like... no, 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 I'm talking about for the people in the league currently. Oh, okay. So Nerlens Noel was dead eye from three because he shot fifty percent from three <laughs> that year. He was one for two. So he was Tina McConnell, like the new Steph Curry. Yeah, he was dead eye. I took I took real rude advantage of that. I was like doing pick and pops with him all day long. I was so hard though because his jump shot was fucking weird. Speaking of two K, like Ben Simmons. Hits the, like knocks down threes for me. I will say this: he did that last year. I didn't buy this year's because it. I don't like 2K as a company. They make me mad. They do all that microtransaction like cell phone game bullshit, and I can't yeah. deal with that anymore. I just like I don't. If you want to get really good at that game, you're gonna play it obsessively or spend extra money, and you already bought the six dollar fucking game. Yeah. So, but yeah, Simmons. If he's wide open, I've seen. First of all, when he shoots the ball, it goes about forty feet in the air, and it'll go in. <laughs> It will go in. He's like Trevor Ariza from the corners. He's like knockdown, <laughs> catch and shoot. Um, yeah. Marco Fultz is impossible to shoot with in that game. I always felt like people told me I was crazy when I said that. I always felt like Covington was hard because his shot form is great in real life, but I feel like the timing was really hard to get yeah. in the game. Steph Curry's the same way. His release is so quick, it's actually hard to play as him. I agree. Yeah. It was the same thing like back in the day when you played with Kevin Martin. It was like Kevin release, Martin was like man. a forty percent three point shooter, and you could not shoot with him in any. He game. has my jump shot. Yeah, Kev, I have my my jump shot in real life is a combo of Kevin Martin jump shot and uh, what's his name's free throw. Oh, I made the joke before. I can't remember who it is now though. Chuck Hayes. No, who does like that? Oh God, it's killing me. Flick. I'm... Oh, uh, Joakim Noah. No, no, it's gonna bother me. I'll tweet it later. <laughs> I don't even want to think of it. Why are people even listening to this Sean podcast? Marion. Sean Marion. Sean Marion. Well, Sean Marion shoots like that, too. You kind of shoot yeah. more like Sean Marion than anything. It's like this, you kind of flick the ball, but it's like under, it's like back. I'm like doing grandma it. style, but as a jump shot. Yeah. And it does not work. Shockingly. It does not go in. Going back to Marco Fultz <laughs> for a second. Do you think he could just like... This is, wait, this is, I'm glad you live on the other side of the country because this podcast would suck. Yeah. No, us drinking and uh, yeah, reminiscing Just about always being in the same room. Players who sucked in two K. It'd be bad. Uh, do you think Marco Fultz could just like shoot like Sean Marion and kind of make it work? Like, could he just like do something different and just no, make it happen? Like, as someone who shoots like Sean Marion, <laughs> can I say that the reason I shoot like that? Can I get into this a little bit? Yeah, uh, I was never taught how to appropriately shoot the basketball because I was never good enough, and like I. I was a fucking like four nine white kid from Poor Richmond, and then later a five seven white kid in Delco. Like no one was like, this guy's got a future. Let's really work on him. So no, it didn't happen. Uh, no one was like, your form's wrong. They just let me do what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And the reason I shot like that is because I didn't have the strength. So basically, had the ball down my hips, 
use momentum to get it up, and because I had to kind of fling it at the rim, I did. The, there was a ton of backspin on it, and that's why I shot that way. Yeah. So I don't think him shooting that way because I don't think his. I don't think strength is the problem. It's form. Another reason that I'm not can't make a shot is because I was never shown correctly how to use the guide hand. Yeah. So I two hand shoot the ball. <clears throat> no, like I, I'm like I'm like I. W- I bet you I. I would like be like. I'd be a six man in like 1954, with my abilities and height. I could make like a good additional salary on top of being a mailman in the off season, and during the season, for <laughs> sure. In the shipyards, yeah, I work in the shipyards before games. Yeah, maybe sometimes mm-hmm. after games. I, I'd be like the ninth most popular player on the Rochester Royals or whatever they were called. Yeah, that's right. I, yeah. I I like to say that I'm like the reverse Anthony Davis in that. <laughs> I was uh, in like the 98th percentile for height and weight up until I was like 15, and then it all just like st- stalled out. <laughs> like yeah. I'm I'm six one, so I'm like tall. Yeah. But I was like six one when I was like 12. Yeah. So people were like, I just they just fed me the ball in the post. I didn't score a lot, but I just mm-hmm. like was big enough that I could like get my own rebound five yeah. times in a row and then eventually make it. So nobody taught me how to do shit. No. When so I was, was like the opposite yeah. of Anthony Davis, where he like he was a guard who like all of a sudden I'm seven feet tall mm-hmm. and I'm awesome. It's like I was. Like Anthony Day, I was like, uh, you know, Omer Sheik, and yep. then all of a sudden I'm I'm built like T.J. McConnell. And yeah. I can't do shit. When I was when I was in eighth grade, I was the starting center to the B team because I was bad. First of all, let me say this too: I used to go to, I used to, go to basketball camps. I went to the camp with Mo Cheeks and with World Beef. It was like one day camps. So I went to the like, Sixers camp. Sixers camp. I oh. met Mo Cheeks. Uh, World Be Free picked me to be in like a five-on-five five game they had with a bunch of kids and him and a bunch of Sixers workers. He saw the potential in you. No, because there was... Uh, I mean, First of all, I was wearing a Michael Jordan jersey and shorts. I was a, f- a full kit, dude. Uh, and one of the guys who was like worked with the Sixers doing the camp was this big white guy. And I called him a big white stiff to his face. And then he picked me to be in the game. Uh, I did not do well because they were adults and we were children. Um but I was never taught, like, do this, do that. Even those camps I went to. Like, there's one-day camps. I would go to, like, these, like, a couple-day camps in Wildwood. Buckets by the Beach, they were called, by the way. Uh, and, like, you did drills. And you did, you played knockout. And you shot a bunch of free throws. Never, like, there was no instruction involved. Right? Mm-hmm. So I never got any better. And then when I got to eighth grade, I sucked so bad. And I wanted to play basketball. Like, you're on the B team. And I was a starting center. I was, like, the fourth tallest kid on the team. I could jump really high. So, like, you're the center. Never played center before. Fouled out of 90% of the games. Once got ejected for arguing a call because I insulted the ref's family, uh, which was a weird... I shouldn't have done that, but... Did you know his family or you just... His son was the other... I'll t- all right, quick story. Then we have to get off of this. This is like an hour. Okay. I was playing at a <laughs> basketball talk, tournament. We talked about Marco Fultz for like... 35 50, minutes and then nothing else. Nothing else. Okay. Anyway, bullshit. quick story before we go. I don't want to share stories that often. This is good. Uh, I played for the St. Madeline's Mustangs B team. Eighth grade, Ridley Park, Pennsylvania. What's up? Go Mustangs, I guess. Uh, got, I found out on a bunch of games. Got a couple of technicals. Because when I was going to block a shot, I would do the downward swipe with my hand. I didn't ever do it. You put your hand up. Would you get technicals because you tell them to get that shit out of here? No, I did I did, I did. chase down block somebody once again the Mutombo finger. Oh my god, I can't believe you but did that. I've never in my life chased down block. I was a real hothead. Real hothead as a kid. Uh, I'm almost full-blooded Irish. My family says, getting your Irish up. But... So, 8th grade, playing uh, a tournament at St. Kevin's in Springfield. Of all, it's like all the B teams were all shitty. Everyone there sucks at basketball. I got called for a foul I didn't agree with. It was most assuredly a foul. But the referees for the game were a guy and his son. And his son called me for the foul. We're in 8th grade. This kid's probably like 16. Mm-hmm. Son calls me for the foul. I'm on the low block waiting for the first free throw to get shot. And I said to the ref, it must be really hard having a blind son. Man. Booted me immediately. And rightfully so. Wow. But it was in the, like, the combo that, gym a, auditorium What a, a fucking... That's like, uh... That's like the, the shit you think of in a movie. Like, or the shit you think yeah. of, like, yeah. 20 minutes later. I was so, like, I was I so hot. That. I probably, like, m- like, mumbled it and stuttered. I was so fired up. Booted me from the game, but it's, like, in the, one of those combo gym auditorium things, so I couldn't leave. So mm-hmm. I had to go sit on the stage at the end of the court. <laughs> And like watched the rest of the game. My dad was so mad. Oh man! Yeah, I think. By the way, this is eighth grade. I could be remembering half of this story wrong. Yeah, but it's the way I've been telling it for ten years. So yeah, I, I played for Trocky Hebrew Academy, so there wasn't a lot of trash talk happening in that league. Nice. 
Um, yeah, do we uh, do we have think, anything else to talk about, or are we kind of done? Yeah. I just opened a new beer, so the night is young. But the pod is going. long. <laughs> but the pod is way too yeah. long. Yeah. All right. Well, next time we'll talk about basketball more. I think. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll have like an update on uh, Marco Fultz's whatever shoulder. Probably, but honestly, uh, so we're recording this Tuesday night. We'll probably put this up Wednesday morning. There'll be we're gonna miss an update. It'll come out. This will come out before there. Everyone knows what's happening. This will be nonsense. What we said, but you just skip ahead to the thirty-five minute mark when we yeah. start talking about uh, Zyra Smith for like two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew Butler for a minute and a half, and then Zion Williamson for some reason for way too long. Yeah, then, I brought like, up Scientology twice. Did you the Miscavige family? Oh, okay, three times now. So yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. See ya.